The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perrow columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Adam Schofield. Adam is Executive Director of Nelson Resources, which trades under the code NES, or November Echo Sierra to be sure. It last traded at 4.3 cents for a market cap of 2.3 million. That's just the size of market cap Garen Perrow likes to see, particularly when, like Nelson, there is an exciting project in the works. In Nelson's case, it is the hunt for a Tropicana-style gold deposit and its wholly owned Woodline project in the Fraser Range. Tropicana is, of course, the 7.7 million ounce gold deposit being mined by the Anglo-Ashanti IGO joint venture. Now, Tropicana is a long way from Nelson's Woodline uh, ground, but as I'll get Adam to explain in a moment, uh, Woodline is in the same structural geological setting, that being the hanging wall of the Albany Fraser Belt. Adam reckons there's no other junior explorer with a package of this quality and scale in WA. Again, we'll get Adam to give us a rundown on that in a moment. First up though, I'm going to say good day, Adam and welcome him to the podcast. Good day, Adam and thanks for your time today. Uh, thank you Barry, thank you for having me. Great. Now, Adam, it'd be great if we could start out with a, a bit of a snapshot of your background in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the mining space for well over 20 years now. Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer um, and have spent a lot of time as a mining consultant uh, to various companies and various commodities in West Australia. Um, I, I grew up in Africa and uh, gold mining is uh, in our blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, um, various commodities, as I say, but uh, gold is very much uh, our focus with Nelson and, uh, and we're obviously planning on having a lot of success. Right. Now, Nelson has not been around a, a long time. Uh, it floated in December 2017, uh, which, isn't great, which, is, which is great in terms of uh, Nelson's tight capital base uh, compared with other explorers. Um, and now it started out with more of a focus on the eastern gold fields than we see today. What has transpired since the float and what has led to the swing in focus to Woodline? Um, well, we, we originally floated with a 20-kilometre package of ground, uh, but 12 kilometres that uh, was actually the Socrates project, which forms part of our Woodline project. Mm-hmm. Um, we have spent a fair amount of time and uh, efforts uh, drilling uh, the other targets that we have. Um, but over time, uh, we realised um, that we had a significant uh, target in, in the Woodline project um, or a potential target and have spent the last two years uh, pulling uh, the tenure package together and uh, acquiring data and uh, analysing all of the data. But the, the shift to where we are now is, is primarily around scale. Um, we, we see massive, massive potential for a Tropicana-style deposit in the tenure that we have, uh, but we're also seeing some fairly impressive results in the traditional Archean uh, aspect of our project as well. Um, and, and we've had some rather impressive uh, drilling results in the last two years uh, on our Socrates project. 
Talk talk a bit, if you could, about the uh, you mentioned the the uh, data uh, that's available uh, to you. Uh, I think some of that was done by some other explorers in the recent past. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, with us having Socrates as one of our listing projects, um, we approached SEPA Resources, who originally uh, had uh, explored the Woodlawn project with Newmont in a joint venture. Uh, the joint venture. Um, Terminated in 2010, and uh, SEPA uh, gave up the ground in 2012 uh, through the mm-hmm. GFC. Um, we we approached them to acquire the data, which we we did, but there was about 14 million dollars worth of uh, direct uh, exploration cost uh, in that data by SEPA Newmont. Um, so it's an incredibly valuable data set. Um, it's all lead up exploration as as in its generated uh, exploration targets. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's a very thorough database. Uh, we spent the last uh, 12 plus months uh, dissecting that database and um, it's, it's fairly impressive. Mm, okay. I imagine a $14 million uh, database, um, you could generate a lot of uh, uh, walk uh, straight on to something and uh, drill it, but uh, is that the plan or is, uh, you've got other thoughts around? Uh, I hope. Mm. We, we have uh, we have other thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll answer your question, uh, your first question, which is: um, uh, Are there walk-up jewel targets? Uh, we have a significant number of walk-up jewel targets that uh, we haven't explored, uh, and they are uh, remnants of Seba's uh, work. Um, they, they had some fairly impressive results uh, that are all uh, indications that we have uh, gold in the system and the potential to have a much larger ore body. Um, uh, just to elaborate on that, there, there was a 20-kilometre long gold geochemical anomaly at surface, uh, which uh, corresponds in bedrock, um, which SEPA uh, drilled uh, both at surface and then uh, to test off a fresh rock. Um, and that has barely been followed up from a, uh, an RC perspective. Uh, there are limited holes uh, that have been drilled uh, by SEPA, uh, and, and to be specific, 77 holes over a 20-kilometre anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not particularly deep. Um, some of them are in, uh, the wrong orientation, um, but they have uh, intersected gold in a number of those holes and, and some reasonable uh, intersects as well. Um, so we, we have targets that we could follow up on. We, we, could, uh, we could do the traditional drill out from some of the successful holes that SEPA had, but we see uh, a lot of value in doing some early geophysics work and specifically, uh, we're, we're flying um, a high-resolution magnetic survey at 25-meter line spacings, um, and we're doing a, uh, a close-spaced uh, passive seismic survey at the same time. In both cases, uh, both of these are probably two of the largest programs of the kind uh, ever undertaken in Australia. Uh, we, we're using a lot of uh, modern technology to do both these things, um, and in both cases, we're using unmanned uh, vehicles. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a very focused geophysics program initially that'll better delineate our, uh, our drill targets uh, based on the drilling that's already been done by SEBA and ourselves, uh, and, and MRG for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. So we're trying to be sensible with our money uh, and not waste it. Mm. So in the, the previous, uh, the, you know, the $14 million database, there was presumably some uh, geophysics in that, but what, low-resolution stuff, was it? Well, interestingly enough, there, there wasn't a lot of geophysics in it. Um, most of the geophysics was done on the northern part of the tenement, which includes Socrates. 
So there was uh, EM flown and there was uh, magnetics flown at 200 meter line spacings. But through through the remainder of the tenure, which is really where this big Goljek and anomaly is, um, the line spacing was uh, uh, regional magnetics, which is 400 meters, um, and certainly no no IP or EM uh, done at all. Um, so there's a real opportunity for us that hasn't uh, that hasn't been taken up previously. Okay. You have a, a huge uh, tenure position. Uh, I think it's more than 800 square kilometres. Uh, I'm, I'm just wondering, are there others uh, backing home the same idea that you are, that there could be another Tropicana in uh, this uh, particular part of the belt? Well, I'm not sure if anybody's specifically chasing a Tropicana, but um, you did have Beachcomber, which was a project that did belong to uh, Angler Goldashanti. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beachcomber is effectively between us and um, uh, and Tropicana, and uh, they had some fairly impressive results in that. And I would suggest that they were definitely uh, thinking that that is a similar uh, in a similar structural setting. Um, Anglo Shanti has recently given up that tenure. Uh, FMG is now uh, pegged um, nearly close to three thousand square kilometres of ground to our, the northeast of us along the Kundalini Fault, uh, which includes Beachcomber as a project. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's been uh, a couple of other companies looking for um, Tropicana scale deposits out there, Corvette um, Resources, in about 2010, certainly thought they were onto uh, a Tropicana, but um, it, it is actually not in a different geological setting uh, mm-hmm. to us and uh, Beachcomber and Tropicana. I take it um, FMG is not looking for iron ore. Definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Can you uh, explain, um, I mentioned earlier that the same geological setting as uh, Tropicana and this uh, transition zone between the uh, Albany Fraser and the Yilgarn Creighton. Can you just talk a bit about that? Um, Yeah, absolutely. So the Albany Fraser origin uh, abuts with the Yilgarn Creighton. Uh, the Albany Fraser is Proto-Mazoic and, uh, and the Elgin Craton uh, is Arkin. Well, we're in the hanging wall of uh, the, we're in the northern foreland of the Albany Fraser origin uh, and in the hanging wall of it. And Tropicana is in exactly the same structural setting. Um, the work done to identify this was done in 2012 by uh, Geoscience uh, West Australia. Um, and the results of that seismic survey were only released um, in late 2014, early 2015. So the understanding of this uh, structural setting is, is quite recent um, and no one else has really, um, uh, I suppose, had the chance to um, reassess the previous work, the previous work done by Sieber and uh, Newmont. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, from, a, from a structural setting, the, the Albany Fraser origin and in specific in and specifically the Kundalia Shear Fault, which is mm-hmm. what we are sitting on, um, is incredibly deep. It goes to the upper mantle. Um, and this is the sort of thing that you need in order to have large gold systems. And, and if you look at all of the major uh, gold systems in West Australia, they are they're all on significant fault lines. Um, and uh, they're all very deep seated. Yeah. Now, uh, given the decision to um, refine drilling targets with uh, geophysics first, I was just wondering when might there be some drilling on the ground? 
the plan right now is to have drill rigs turning uh, in the last quarter of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe we can get most of the geophysics done uh, before October, and that's very much the, the timeline we're targeting. Um, as you know, sometimes monitoring goes according to plan, but we, we are going to try very much to meet that target. Um, but as I say, the scale and, the scale and nature of the uh, geophysics uh, means that it is a lengthy program, but we, we will endeavour to have drill rigs turning uh, out of the early information that we, we glean. Mm. At this stage, any thoughts on where that drilling might occur? Uh, we will definitely be drilling uh, on the 20-kilometre gold check anomaly initially. Uh, we will also have some drill meters uh, um, used at Socrates. Um, we, we have some fairly tight spacing um, with some good results. Uh, we, we'd like to expand that tight space drilling as we work towards a resort. Um, but we are going to also put some air core drill meters into the um, greenstones to the west of the Tanyak. Right. Uh, it might be at, at this point a, uh, a good point to explain that you've probably got, what, three distinct exploration uh, opportunities there. You've got the Tropicana style, the 20-kilometre anomaly you were talking about. And then you've got the uh, the greenstone belt. You were just uh, two greenstone belts and one that includes the intersection of two greenstone belts. So I'm getting a bit confused myself. Such is the scale of the, uh, the tenement position. You've got these three very large uh, opportunities within within the one setting, as it were. Absolutely. Um, I'll I'll start by talking through the fault zones. I think that's that's a good place mm -hmm. to start. The uh, Cantilever fault is the uh, the same fault effectively that hosts Tropicana, uh, and that's very much the twenty kilometre gold check anomaly that we have. That uh, is the focus of our attention. We then have uh, the Claypan share zone, which um, effectively runs through Socrates um, and abuts with the Kundalish uh, fault. And then we have the Keith Kilkenny fault, um, which uh, accounts for 30 kilometres of greenstones to the west of our tenement that, that have, not been, uh, have not been drilled. Mm. Uh, where these three fault zones meet, uh, we, we have some uh, nickel anomalism that hasn't been followed up. Um, so it's a very interesting geological setting uh, and, and it's very unusual. Uh, to have all three things happening within one tenement. Yeah. Now, I touched earlier on the, uh, the group's current uh, modest market cap, uh, and we're in a boom market for uh, gold, and uh, nickel's not far behind it. I'm just wondering, uh, is the company, is you looking over your shoulder a bit, or are people knocking on the door saying, we've got deeper pockets, let us come in and take this over for you? Um, not as yet. Uh, we have spoken to um, a few mid-tier uh, companies in the last uh, six months about potentially joint venturing. Mm. Um, we, we're just about to complete um, a rights issue, um, so we'll be fully funded for the next 12 months of intensive exploration. Right. Um, but we think with the value that we can add in that time frame, uh, we're likely to see um, possibly some majors come and have a talk to us. Um, we, we're trying to add as much value as possible mm. prior to those conversations, uh, and we believe we can do that. Right. And that uh, fundraising, I think, is, uh, is it for $1.9 million from a one-for-one -one rights issue? It's $2 million less cost, um, right. and it is, it is a one-for-one -one rights issue, and um, it has a, a pretty touching 
option. Mm. So uh, even after that, you only have hundred uh, odd million shares out. So still quite a tight capital base, providing leverage to expiration upside in the extreme in this case. <laughs> Indeed, and um, we, we've obviously been fairly um, quiet about uh, pulling our woodline project together, and we only really came to market with. Uh, our intentions um, uh, a couple of months ago now. Um, we've tried to add as much value as possible for shareholders uh, with the least dilution possible. And, and at this point, uh, we imagine our uh, value add is going to be incredibly significant in, in the near term. At this stage, is it possible to say what the scale of the drilling program, phase one, you're planning? Um, so we've budgeted effectively 10,000 metres um, of RC um, mm. and we're looking, um, sorry, 10,000 10, metres of drilling, uh, 5,000 of that is air core and 5,000 of that is RC. Um, we, have, we have a fairly uh, large uh, geophysics uh, budget in, in our fundraising. Right. Um, if, if things work out as, as we're hoping, uh, we might be able to divert some of those funds to, um, to drilling. Um, right. if, if our first pass is as successful as we're expecting. Right, okay. Now, we've talked a lot about uh, the Tropicana uh, analogy. Um, there's also, you mentioned the Arkeen Greenstone, so there's also what potential for Gruyere, St Ives types mineralisation? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 20 kilometres north of us uh, is the eldest mining centre. Uh, that's a 700,000-ounce resource that's uh, currently being mined or in the process of being mined by um, Silver Lake Resources. Um, we, ha- we have a haul road uh, from ourselves, which is it's the Nova Hall Road, uh, which goes effectively to them. And mm-hmm. they have a, a haul road which goes to French Kiss. Further north of the eldest mining centre is uh, Bombora, which is a two million ounce resource. And then we start heading uh, much further north and uh, there's effectively 30 million ounces of resource uh, currently in resource or being mined. Um, projects along these trends include uh, Karasu Dam, Sons of Gualia, uh, Bellevue, um, Mount Keith from a nickel, nickel perspective. So some significant um, resources come out of these fault zones. Um, mm. and, and effectively, Socrates sits on one of these fault zones and the unexplored green sites to the west sit on the other. Right. Uh, just a, a general sort of question. The, we're talking about the gold boom, uh, near record Australian gold prices, investors uh, seem enamoured with the sector, happy to pump funds in. I was just wondering, are you seeing that trickle effect down to the juniors uh, taking effect? I guess that's partly reflected in your, your current fundraising. Um, it is. Um, I, I do also think that you have to have a story that um, mm-hmm. uh, compels people to invest in that, and I, I do believe that's helping us. However, I think there is there's a significant amount of money in the exploration field again uh, from investors, and I, and I think a lot of that's uh, mum and dad investors who who had the money tied up in banks, and I think a lot of that money has come out of the banking system and is now freely available to, to be placed elsewhere. And, um, yeah, and I think mum and dads are, are looking at yeah, uh, exploration stocks again for the return first time of, in a long time. Yeah, the return of the general investor, which is yeah, exactly. a good thing. Um, now, the eastern gold fields, uh, Fortnum, much, is there much on the go there or is the focus on Woodlawn? 
Look, we, we picked up Fortnum um, as a project that we found interesting. Um, there, there certainly is gold um, on the Fortnum project. Um, we, we are looking to potentially pick up some additional ground in Fortnum, but it's, it's certainly not our focus at the moment. Uh, we, we're certainly open to potentially joint venturing um, on the Fortnum ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really, that's really what we're going to do with everything that is in, in the Albany Fraser at this point. Right. Okay. So finally, if I could just get you to summarise in terms of news flow, <laughs> the, what investors all like to see, uh, how would you summarise news flow for the rest of the year from the company? I, I think I might have mentioned it um, in my last uh, interview. We're, we're going to do a, um, a video once a month um, mm-hmm. for our shareholders and, and for potential investors that that explains what we've done in the month previously. Um, mm-hmm. It's also intended to demonstrate what we're actually doing. So it will be showing some of the technology that we're using and and we're also going to have a little educational spin to it where we actually demonstrate why we're doing what we're doing and um, um, explaining geology for uh, in layman's terms. Um, so for the next three months while we're doing the geophysics, that's, that's very much um, um, how people are going to see what we're doing. Um, and mm. I think it'll be um, it'll be interesting for people to, to to be engaged in what we're actually trying to do and feel like they're part of the story. Um, and then post that, we really are going to have an intensive uh, a drilling campaign, which hopefully will deliver uh, results. So the, the next six months, is um, we're fairly clear on what that's going to deliver. Um, and then into the new year, um, that'll be guided by what's happened um, in the next mm. two quarters. Right. Okay, there we have it. Uh, very interesting story. Um, unusual to have such a, a a project locked up in a junior, so one to watch uh, as the year unfolds. And uh, nice to hear the uh, efforts there on uh, transparency and communication with the shareholder base uh, to be encouraged across the, the sector, I would argue. So thanks for your time today, Adam. Uh, all the best with it, and we'll uh, watch with interest as it unfolds. Thank you.